Here's the thing about the future. Every time you look at it, it changes because you looked at it. And that changes everything else. Well, welcome back, everybody, to Take Me to Your Reader, discussing adapted science fiction at its best and worst. I'm Seth. I'm James. And I'm Colin. And we are continuing our summer of Philip K. Dick pictures. And, sorry, I couldn't help myself. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, eventually we're going to get a good one. I, I... I can feel it. We're going to get a good one um, where the movie's good. Uh, <laughs> or but, the story's good. Yeah, but this time uh, we're going to be talking about Philip K. Dick's short story, The Golden Man, not The Golden Child. That's a very different Eddie Murphy movie. Wow. And the adaptation of it called ish. Next from ish. Nicolas Cage. Yeah, Ish uh, from 2007. So starring Nicolas Cage, Jessica Biel, uh, Julianne, Julianne Moore. Moore. Nobody else really noteworthy. No. Peter Falk. Was, was in the movie for like 45 seconds. <laughs> and and he started reading this book to him, and then it... Right. Yeah, w- once they started kissing, it yeah, all fell apart. The, yeah, exactly. Okay, good. I was hoping somebody was going to pick up on the Princess Price the bride thing. <laughs> and then he came in at the end and said, just one more thing. Uh, that was Columbo. Right. James, you're too young for that. Yep. Um, yep. So. So. The uh, story. Previous experience. Had any of oh. us read the story? No. Mm. No? No. And all of us had seen the film. Yes. 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 Yeah. James, you want to tackle the story? Is that what you're indicating? No, I was indicating we should discuss the story. We should. Usually discuss. the story is Colin's purview, so. Well, normally we've been trying to talk about commonalities between the story and the movie. Mm-hmm. And I... You're right. I'm not finding any. There is no the story <laughs> here. I don't know. There is. <laughs> there, There is a person who can who has some kind of limited prescience who can see briefly into the future. I, I think you're already off. And the government's looking for him. He's not a person. And uh. we know nothing about the limits of his prescience. <laughs> okay, so like, let me try again. Uh, there is a being who has some sort of prescience, apparently, and is trying to evade the government finding him. Yes. That's, that's about the, the commonality that you can say between the story and the movie. Yep. Why is he called the Golden Man, Colin? Because <laughs> uh, he's got golden-hued skin. Yes. I pictured him like a walking Oscar. <laughs> yeah, you know? I was there. Uh, a nude walking Oscar. I, I, it never described if he was wearing clothing, as far as I could tell. And um, it, did, it did mention, though, several times That's that he, he had like a fine hair all over his body. Right. So I guess Philip K. Dick wasn't really into manscaping. I just kind of assumed he was probably wearing clothing, because it, I would think... The surrounding characters would have been rather appalled at his lack of clothing if he wasn't wearing any clothing. Yeah, but he... Because he's only irresistible women. <laughs> right. Uh, what's the story about, though? The short story. Well, it's a world where mutations are common and... Maybe not common, but they exist. Yeah. And the government is act- uh, actively hunting it, them. It's X-Men. It's X-Men. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and and they're, they're, pure, they're persecuted. Mm-hmm. Right. right. Well, they're hunted down and studied and destroyed. Yes. Right. Right. Uh, and this this guy shows up at a diner, and he's looking for mutants, and he finds a, a mutant way out uh, in the countryside, mm-hmm. and he appears to be a full grown man, but his his skin is golden. He's got like you know this fine downy hair all over him, uh, and he doesn't talk. Right in the countryside of East Bay, uh, San Francisco, <laughs> all sorts of weird things come out of San Francisco area. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and then they capture him and find out that he is uh, he's prescient. He knows what's going to happen. 
and uh, they're going to study him, and they tried to kill him inside of a box, and they all miss because he's prescient, and he <laughs> escapes, and he impregnates somebody's fiance, and then he fully escapes. He's not really prescient, though, right? He doesn't he, always he, escape, though. At some point, he just surrenders. I think he surrendered because that was the best possible outcome. Right. Yeah. Because he could see, well, and this is, I think that's the theory that they had, right? Our cordon must have been perfect. Yeah. So he knew he couldn't escape and just surrendered. I had the feeling he surrendered to save the family from further persecution. That could be. Logan should have done that. Yeah. Um, Have you seen Logan? Yes. Yeah. No? Yeah. Bad things happen to people who help mutants. Always. That, That was my suspicion on that one, even though they didn't directly say it. Yeah. That's what I assumed. Yeah, so uh, what do we think of the story? In a what lot do you way- think of the story, Seth? <laughs> well, that long silence was us looking at each other going... Oh, I, I can legitimately know. say you were begging the story, begging the question on that one. <laughs> uh, no. no, no, I was not. Well, here, let me throw out something you that think Philip you kind K. of Dick- were. I was inviting a question. <laughs> let, let me throw out something Philip K. Dick said about the story, maybe as a launching point. Okay. okay. So, uh, in science fiction, mutants had always been per- portrayed up to that point to being superior to us and better. And so he wanted to have a mutant who really didn't care. Right. And so he did. Okay. So uh, this man is prescient. We don't know how deep his prescience goes, and that's kind of significant when we talk about the movie later. Mm-hmm. Um, but he has no... Well, they, they did describe some limitations to his seeing the future, right? They did? Clue me in, because I, I didn't catch it. Oh, yeah. He can only see like a, he can only see clearly about a half an hour into his future. And after that, it faded and got foggy. Where it wasn't so probable what he was going to see. Okay. Unless I'm remembering that incorrectly. I'll trust you. I'll okay. trust you too. Yeah. Yeah. So that was that part. Okay. And he could move superhumanly fast, and he was covered in the golden hair, given the golden man, and irresistible women. Yes. Right. Yeah. But he all, but he also had no real... He was kind of abstracted from our reality, too. Right? Yeah. He, he had no real... He, he didn't experience me- past at all. He had no memories of his past. Right, yeah. He, that's he, only, he only existed in the future. And he didn't have any higher reasoning skills, as far as I could tell. Right. Yeah, no symbolic processing. Yeah. No, no frontal cortex. So mm-hmm. no language, no communication mm-hmm. that we would know about. Yeah. Uh, although he certainly put the moves on that guy's fiance. Oh, that's just right. instinctive, though. That's just their yeah. urge to mate. This is, I mean, it's very Philip K. Dick, right? With the, with the, the government coming in and trying to ruin things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or, or just, you know, the government being big and overlordy. Right. Um, and so that's, it's very much kind of in his canon of stuff that way, but dang it, I was going to bring that, I have the book, like the collection of Philip K. Dick's sh- short stories in it. And there's an afterward in it where he talks about kind of some of the difficulty of getting it published because, uh, who goes there? John W. Campbell. Yeah. He didn't want stories about, you know, paranoia about mutants. He wanted, he wanted mm-hmm. to know, you know, that, that mutants were better than us, like you were saying, right? That they were, they were going to be more evolved in some way. Right. Well, that was the other interesting thing that came out of the short story was that there were some mutants that were better than us, but mm. it wasn't, I, I, not only, I guess it was the director of the, whatever the mutant agency was called that made the decision that evolution shouldn't go that way. And so they decided to kill him. Right. Cause it's, it, he's seemed maybe in a condescending sort of way, open to the fact that this is an evolutionary step but not the one they want to take, and they haven't found the one they want to take yet, hmm. so they're just killing them all. But they pretty much resign themselves. And It's a short, short story, so read it before listening to this, because we, we're going to spoil it, because... Right. Spoilers. Uh, at the end, I guess we already kind of have. He escapes, and they more or less uh, resign themselves to the fact that, well, that's, yeah. that's a win. They, he's going to go out and propagate his right. 
his mutant genes somewhere in there because he's completely irresistible to women. Right. Uh, even professional women. So definitely not uh, one of my favorite Philip K. Dick short stories. No. I thought it was interesting. I, but I like the I like the dystopian mutant thing. So yeah, I mean, I I do like I like a couple of things about it. I liked that notion that if you could see the future and you could see, well, there's no way for me out of this, mm-hmm. you might before anything really even happens, just walk up and surrender. Right. And people would be like, why are you surrendering? We haven't done anything, and they wouldn't know that. Well, later on, you're going to set a perfect cordon for me, which of course then right. they're not going to. So yes. uh, yeah, <laughs> so it gets all paradoxy. And and right. I kind of like the sort of downer ending. I'm not sure it's a downer ending, but well, if you know a, that eventually the human race is going to be replaced by beings <laughs> that can't have <clears throat> culture or art or do we know that though that that his genes would breed true? Hmm. Or or, a, or is it just like a mutant tendency, like an X Men, right? Right. Where you get the mutant X gene and then something happens, but we don't know what. I think the story intimated that it was going to breed true. Okay. So that humanity was eventually going to be completely replaced by non-sapients. Yes. There's no longer going to be homo sapiens. Until they mutant again. Mutate again. Mutanted? Yeah. Mutant. What are you doing? Mutanin? Mutanin. Yeah. <laughs> it's like adulting. <laughs> it's like molting. <laughs> there we go. Uh, this may be a short episode. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Anything? Uh, I'd love to hear from anybody out there who's read The Golden Man. And if, if we're missing something here... Uh, let us know. I, I'm not saying that this is right. a terrible short story or anything. I mean, we've had worse. Yeah, short stories are quick reads, and you know they don't have to have a huge yeah. return on investment because it's not much of an investment. Mm-hmm. So, uh, still yeah. probably worth reading. I would say so. Fortunately, you know, then then they adapted it and improved the story by by quite a bit. Because as you know, <laughs> adaptation means change, and so that any change you make has to be good, according to Seth. Yeah. Right? <laughs> adaptation means change. TM. And then there's this movie. Well, I don't know that my standpoint would be any better, to be quite honest. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. I'm I'm not sure. Well, when if you look up, I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes to the Wikipedia article for Next, the movie, because the script went through a lot of revisions, where mm-hmm. they send it out to oh, somebody, really? um, and they wrote an entire treatment that was basically faithful to the story, huh. or at least faithful to the authoritarian government kind of side of things, right. and. He went through rewrite after rewrite, as far as I can tell. Um, and this is what we ended up with. So sometimes things How go through rewrites. How the hell did they get to where they were starting there? Yeah, I don't know. That makes absolutely no sense. Well, you start with a guy being chased by the government, and then it just goes in incremental steps. Yeah. Right. And it, it kind of okay. feels, things feel slapped onto it. Yeah. Right. You know, like, so are we going to talk about the movie now? Yeah, let's talk about yeah, that. Yeah, sure. Oh, okay. Yeah, starring Nicolas Cage, Jessica Biel, Julianne Moore, and mm-hmm. a handful of other people. Uh, it's about a guy. He has two-minute prescience. Right. Except for right. a vision that he's had for some untold period of time, weeks, mm-hmm. maybe a couple of months, where he saw a girl coming to this restaurant. So he goes into the restaurant. Every day at the same time. Every day at yeah. nine Well, I think minutes. you could even generalize it to just her. He sees much farther into her future, period. Well, yeah, but at first, the, the only thing he knows is that he's seen a vision of this girl coming into a diner okay. at a time where he sees his watch, right? Right. And so so he checks his watch every day for yeah. that time in the diner, drinking a martini. <laughs> I, I wonder if he started off with a coffee. It's been like like three years. Right. So gradually, eventually, it's just going to be Jack Daniels and... <laughs> Day drinking. Evolves in Martini just to deal with the fact, ah, oh, she's not here yet. Yeah. Maybe it was just that he was in this movie. Um, <laughs> it's, it's Vegas. Everybody drinks martinis in Vegas, don't they? Probably. At 8 o'clock in the morning in diners. It's, it's 9. o'clock in the morning. Woo-hoo. 
Anyway, we were talking about the movie. Yeah. So, I mean, what they did is, right, they distilled down the very, very tiny little essence of one little part of it, right? Yes. A guy with limited prescience, hunted by the government in some way, which is also different. Right. (laughs) So, hunted for different reasons. Yeah. Yeah. So, the government studied him at some point. Yeah. And then he escaped or they lost track of him or lost interest. And uh, they suspect that someone's going to bring a nuclear bomb into the country. And so, they want his help. With two minutes of advance notice. <laughs> right. What are you going to do with two minutes? Yeah. It's, it makes no sense at all. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you can kind of see where in the script they, they tried to bring the girl into it to say, like, okay, when she's involved, he can see farther. Yeah, but she didn't. But Julianne Moore's character didn't know that. No. Wow, right. this is just occurring to me. Yeah. No, yeah, and she never knew that. And then at the end of the movie, he ditches her anyway. He when gets the, rid of the girl because when he, he knows- could have used her to figure it out. At the end. Yeah, if she's not involved, he wouldn't be able to see yeah, far enough. Just sit her in front of the TV, watch the news. <laughs> well, and then you'd know. Now, he's yeah. already seen... Oh, it's it's like that really bad episode of Dallas uh, well, yeah, that, everybody helps, that everybody hates. Right. It turns out that, that a big <laughs> section of a season was a dream that somebody had. Right. So they ripped it all out. That's the movie. <laughs> <laughs> he meets the girl. They go off to the hotel. You know, rumpy pumpy ensues. <laughs> and... Uh, from that point on, and I, I had not noticed this the first time I saw the movie, he has the prescient flash. Right. Of just the rest in of the bed, movie. and then the whole mm-hmm. rest of the movie happens, and then they die. Yeah. And so then it rewinds to when they're back in bed. Mm-hmm. Right. And so then he makes a deal with the government saying, I'll help you, I know that you're looking for me, but... You keep her out of it. You keep her out of it. Now, if she's out of it, he can only see two minutes ahead, but he's already seen it all once. Right. Yeah. So he knows That's where the bomb the, the is. ones kind of might be the one saving grace... The only problem there is, though, how much of it is going to change now that she's not involved? Yeah, yeah. He, he says right at the beginning, right? You, you get some voiceover, which I normally don't like. Yeah, and I don't like it here. Um, <laughs> where he says, looking at the future changes it, right? And so he's already looked right. at the future. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what we're saying is this movie does not make a whole lot of sense. Right. And and it really does feel slapped together in ways. because And, and it's... To me, it reminds me a little bit of, of Paycheck, right? Where you take an interesting short story of Philip K. Dick and you turn it into a bland action movie. Right. And this one really isn't an action movie until really the very end. With the FBI attack yeah. of the yeah. ship to try and get her back, yeah. Yeah. Right. But here, let me pull out a particular case. Okay. So when he's in the casino and getting out, mm-hmm. I was completely down with that action. Yeah. Until he gets in the car. And then the police are chasing him, and he jumps. He happens it to turn, jump in turned front. turned into gone in 60 seconds. <laughs> it turns into gone in 60 seconds. Like, Which is, you know, there other. should really yep. be a, a car chase scene here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Guys, I like to drive me cars. <laughs> I can't do an Nicolas Cage impression. I can't either. Mm. Uh, but, you know, until no one should the be car, able to. I thought it was great and perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked the flash yeah. forwards. I liked where he, you know... Walk through the thing, walk through the casino, trying to get out, you know, taking the hat and... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was fun. And, and watching and having the point of view of the people up, you know, watching the cameras. and like, he's right behind you. He's right behind you. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, where he could see exactly where he needed to go. It was, like, it was like that scene in Minority Report, right? Where she's guiding him through. Only that was much more interesting. Yes. Right. And it felt like there was more at stake in Minority Report. Mm-hmm. Is that just my perception? Or? No, no, it totally no, is. No, you're right. But yeah. this, this is where I think that, like, the main thing that I would like to have seen was him getting into a situation where he, no matter his prescience, he can't get out of it. And so he just surrenders. And she would be confused. Uh, Julianne Moore's character would be confused. Why, why are you surrendering to me? We haven't even started looking for you. Yeah, but you will. 
And I would like to have seen that because it's it's an interesting science fiction idea. Yeah. It's the Kobayashi Maru. It's the no-win situation. He yeah. kind of did in yeah. the end. How did, they, how did they end up getting him? I can't remember. He saved her life. They're, they have the great big, right. the, the big avalanche down no the hillside. No good goes unpunished. Which right. was totally unrealistic because right. falling stuff moves faster than humans running down. So yeah, he, <laughs> so she says, you're just going to stand there and let me die. And right. he has a moral moment. Mm-hmm. And right. excuse me. It's her. a hero moment, right? Mm-hmm. So we're supposed to identify with him. Uh, okay, yeah. so let's talk about him as our hero. I did, and I was like, though, yeah, dumbass. <laughs> so uh, I am not a Nicolas Cage hater. I've I, I've enjoyed him in a lot of movies. I, I don't think he's the greatest thing since sliced bread, but... I, I, you know, I, I wouldn't say I can, a lot of it. I can connect with him in a film. Right? Okay. But the 18-year age gap between him and Jessica Biel, he was like 45, 44, 43, something like that. And she's 25 in this movie. And so, so really twice as old. I mean, it fits into the half Almost. your age plus seven or whatever it is. You know, it, it, so it's objectively, in, in terms of that scale, not creepy, but it's totally creepy. Yeah. Um, especially when when she first comes in, she, you know... It's built up to this moment where she comes into the diner, and then he sits there and just gives her this creepy look. And right. and I'm looking at her, and I'm looking at him, and I'm like, the math doesn't work here. <laughs> there's, there's no way. And then he does the Groundhog Day thing to, to, to get the meat cute, right? Which yes. is totally manipulative and very, very creepy. Like, let's see, what do I have to do? I probably have to get punched <laughs> to get her to like me. <laughs> so. It's true. Yeah. yeah. And then, then, then I start thinking of all the situations where, like, okay, what's the perfect move that I have to do to get her in the sack? Yeah, we'll try the rose thing. Yep, rose thing worked. Rose thing worked. Yeah, I'll sleep outside tonight. Terrible. Yeah. Right. Right. No, nobody's getting lucky after they've spent the night in a car. No, <laughs> you're not exactly in crescent fresh shape there. No. Well, he did shower. Mm, no. Oh no, he didn't. You're right. Nope. Yeah, no. So he was stinky. Yeah. yeah, that's bad. He cleaned up. Right. He, he he went and uh, took what we used to call a Pollock shower. I work with lots, lots of guys in Poland now, so I'm very offended by that. Um, washed out his pits. One does not wash out one's pits in the pool of yes. sacred tears. No. <laughs> so Peter asked me what the movie was about. And I said, well, there's basically three kinds of bad guys. You've got your bad guys who are trying to detonate a bomb in the United States. You have bad guys that are trying to take advantage of citizens and stop the bomb from going off. And then you've got your main character who's a petty thief, a petty car thief, liar, and manipulator. Yeah. Well, you, you can you can make a definite um, argument that he basically is a thief, right? Yeah. So even in his act, he's using, I mean, I, mean, I guess, yeah, you're using your talent to pretend to be a mentalist, right? Mm-hmm. I can't really fault him for that. I, I, not totally. But then yeah. uh, using that to gamble is basically stealing. Now, yeah. the, the casino is stealing writ large, too. so... Right. Exactly. Um, no, they're not. There's <laughs> just the illusion that you might win. Right. Yeah, but it's not for him, right? And, and I do like that right. when, they're, when they're observing him from, the, like, the pit boss area, and... Uh, I think they would, I think it would have been neat to do something from that perspective, to do with the, the casino and... Yeah. I don't know, casino of security and, like, a whole story down that route or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What, what was his stage name? Frank... Frank Cadillac. Frank Cadillac. And Kelly Ferris. Ferris. Agent Ferris. Agent, right. Agent Ferris. Save Ferris? Ferris Bueller. <laughs> yeah, I like that. When, when they're looking at him, they're like, you know, he he didn't get in on this one. The, the hand lasted two minutes and 29 seconds or something. Right. So they're kind of calibrating what his prescience is. But yeah, then that, that's a real big pro- <laughs> plot hole. Like, plot yeah. him down in front of the TV, tell us when something's going to happen two minutes It's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. And yeah. it only works because she is involved. And if she hadn't been involved, if they yeah. had taken her away, they could have detonated the bomb with complete safety. 
but nobody knows except for nobody him, knows that yeah yeah about the extended prescience where she's involved yeah so the plot is very contrived yeah so really the bad guy's worst move was kidnapping her mm-hmm yeah so she's the most powerful character in the in the film in a lot of ways <laughs> she is girl power it's true just like wonder woman <laughs> That was a much better movie. It was. Well, and yes. I, I do kind of like how she just doesn't, you know, like, fall for Nicolas Cage's character the first time, right? Right. At one point, he starts to get up and she goes, you know, don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that, too. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah. So the, another problem I had, although we haven't talked about enough problems yet, another problem <laughs> I had was how do the bad guys know that he has prescience? Yeah. And... They know everything the FBI is doing. And so it feels like there's a subplot that got lost. Where there's an inside man. There's an inside right. man at yeah. some point. Um, and the other thing that, that Peter mentioned yeah. was, uh, at one point they had French accents, but they spoke in Czechoslovakian and German. They spoke in French as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, one one of the main actors in there, I know like, his name is like uh, Kretschmann or something. He's he's German. He was in U571. Okay. No. Um, so I, like, I recognize him from a couple other things. I know he's German. But um, but yeah, then there, I didn't turn on the uh, subtitles to see what it said they were speaking. Yeah, <laughs> it may not have said. Yeah, yeah, true. The movie is full of holes. Now there are things I liked about it. I like the sort of effect of him, like the first couple times it does it, where it shows him, like it shows the casino thief shooting a right. couple people, and then it zips yeah. back. You know. Yes. Um, well, yeah, we like we liked the casino scene. Yes, we're there. So, and I like the <laughs> fact that that even in that scene. It shows he's no action hero. He tackles the guy, but he ends up right. with guns on him, right? Yeah. Because he's he's picked up the gun, right? Not, it's not my gun. gun. And yeah. don't you think he would have known that if he picked up the gun that things would have went bad? So this is this is one of my main problems, right? Yeah. If you have two-minute prescience, uh, that doesn't mean that something happens from three minutes from now you don't know about. It means you don't know about it for one minute. So one minute from now, you'd know about it. Yes. So it's like a rolling two minutes, but they, they mm-hmm. make it seem like... And so like in the... The blackjack hand, it makes sense, right? He's he's in this, he can't see the future far enough, but and so he he just gets out, right? Right from yeah. the beginning. But in other situations, if you're if you're running along, you know, a street and sixteen minutes from now you're gonna get hit by a bus, well, you're gonna know about that two minutes before it happens. Right. But you don't have to stop the run right at the right at the beginning, right? So no. it's only any time where his action is committed and then the consequences within two minutes that there's a real problem. Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. Further than two minutes out. So if he's committed to a course of action and something happens further out than two minutes, then he, he has limited ways to change his mind and do something different, to course correct. Sure. But like I was saying, he should have known not to pick up the gun. You leave the gun yeah. on the ground, you, you kick yeah, it away Yeah, that, that was guy. within that two minutes, I think. Yeah, that's... Yeah. What, what Seth is saying is it's a rolling two minutes. No, I get it, oh. yeah. yeah. I don't think they present it as a rolling two minutes, <gasps> except the entire escape sequence is a rolling two minutes. Yes. Where he keeps right. he keeps seeing very, you know, very soon, oh, I'm going to be caught by this guy, so I'm just going to smoke a cigarette here, and right. I'm going to put on a cowboy hat, you know, go into the bathroom. That's what I think. I think that whole casino sequence was a perfect expression of his ability. Yeah. And then they just yeah. screwed up. The fact is, he's a little inept, right, when when he goes, when he tackles the guy with the gun. Right. right. Later in the film, he turns into an action star. Yeah, he's kind of a you badass. Know, he's right. doing awesome roundhouse yeah. kicks and, and, you know, throwing things and hitting somebody. Oh, just throwing the baton. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's true. So, again, right, that has the feel of a rewrite. It's like mm-hmm. they took they took the government escape scene and they pasted some stuff on the front and they added in these characters mm-hmm. and said, okay, that's our movie. Yeah. But, yeah, and it really does, in a lot of ways, it feels like two different movies. Because the first hour... 
is just him meeting the girl and meeting the FBI at some point. Um, I guess he really doesn't meet her that early, right? I can't remember now. I don't care. <laughs> he Let's, sees her and then knows, yeah. learns what he wants to learn right. and then stays. And here, here's a major problem that I have, right? That's true. When, when she shows up after he takes the car with Lojack, right? Which I thought right. was a nice touch. Uh-huh. That conversation that he has with her is like five minutes long in movie time. <laughs> And, and so, so then, then he's like, nope, I do need to get out of here. And, and then it never right. happens. So I, I would like it to be, I didn't notice the first time. I'll admit, I didn't notice the, the time rolling. But this time when I was watching it, I'm like, how long is this conversation? Oh. I, started I was wondering that too when, he, yeah. when, it, when it happened. I was like, hmm. Okay, well, well, maybe let's she's go with a, it. Maybe his power is extremely variable. In his life, it's two minutes. But maybe with her, it's five minutes. And with Jessica Biel, it's... Ah, she's his five-minute uh, Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and you're you're my infinite. Uh... I guess time is relative, but still. <laughs> well, see, that's the problem, right? Now having the variability of time, it makes you wonder. Well, is it? Yeah. Are there two settings? Are there infinite settings? Right, right. Where are? What do we do with this? Yeah, touche. What do you do in a relationship with somebody where you can see it kind of infinitely into the future? I mean, is he going to go? <laughs> no, we shouldn't get married. Sorry. I, trust me. Ten years from now, it goes very bad. There's, I think there's a... I want to say it's a Hugo a winning short story about that. About two people that know the future Damn. and have a relationship. Oh, this is going to kill me now because I can't remember what it is. It was just last year. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. It reminds me of Flash Forward. No, no. This is very new. It's okay. very new. Um, so in Flash Forward, they, they see a flash like 20 years in the future. And so there's people who are married who mm-hmm. in their Flash Forward are not married. And so it kind of oh. has a self-fulfilling mm. prophecy. Like, well, we're not together in 20 years, right. so let's call it quits now. Sure. Which which kind of... So there's there's two versions of, of prescience, right? There's the mm-hmm. idea that you can't change time. Right. Right? Uh, because that keeps time self-consistent. Mm-hmm. And then you've got, like, this movie Next, where he right. says, if you, change, if you look at the future, it changes. Right. Because you know about it. Right. Which makes sense. So I will say that I watched this on our nice TV <laughs> on a Blu-ray player. But it was a DVD, and so it was upsampled, I think. Uh-huh. And I don't know if the effects were just bad from the beginning, but they looked really terrible on that TV. Was it like very soap opera Yeah, it looked like, like BBC. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. And and some of that happens like when you when you watch something with the like 240 hertz uh-huh. frame rate or whatever. Right. But, yeah. I, my, my son was like, these effects are really, really hard to watch. <laughs> and some of them, you know, where they, they pick their spots, like where he's sending off alternate versions of himself, those were fine. I like that. That was another yeah. one of my the things that I like. This mm-hmm. idea that he he's going to, you get this dick, I'll get all the rest. Why should anybody else go anywhere else? You know, his whole idea was, I'm going to protect you guys. I don't why that happened in the first place. Yeah. They shouldn't have just, they should have just sat, sat yeah. there, stood still for a yeah. second. Hang on, I'll search the entire thing. Let him do his thing. And yeah, then, you, black guy, you yeah. don't have to get shot. You don't, right? just stay right here. <laughs> and then, then the screenwriter's like, no, black dude does have to get shot. Sorry. Yeah. Although, is he really going to be able to search those levels in two minutes? Well, okay, one of, one of my problems with it, though, was it showed him come to a decision point and send off, you know, versions to him to every place he could go from that point. Uh-huh. Right. And then at some point it shows two of his versions on the same little platform. I'm like, why right. would they have crossed paths? Oh, because they're from different branches and they don't know what they would have decided. Mm. It's, yeah. it's the problem with massive parallelism, right? Unless it's guided, you get redundancy. It's, it's crappy branch prediction. Okay. <laughs> what the man said. It's multi-threading, but it can't stitch it all back together. Yes. Yeah. Well, no, no, there's redundancy in, in jobs. That's all, right. Now, if you think about it, though, he must have been like, well, he had to have been able to process all that in a relatively quick manner, right? 
Yeah. It kind of makes me wonder about his level of... Well, he'd also have to know that standing there at the bottom of the stairs that he wasn't going to get shot in the next two minutes. But then if it took more than two minutes to search the rest of the ship, he's screwed. Right. Yeah. My son actually kind of went, what's going on here? And I had to explain it to him. I think for a person seeing the future and processing all that, he did Mm -hmm. not seem nearly distracted enough. No. Yeah. Yeah. Unlike the Golden Man. Where that's all he did. Right. Right. That's all he did was... He was oblivious to. He didn't have to waste time. Everybody else's awesome. reality. <laughs> yes. <laughs> or have the awesome, weird bald mullet thing going that um, Nicholas Cage had, like, yeah, like right. twice as much forehead as right. you should have. Not that I can talk. The extreme widow's peak. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so let me ask you this: We've, mm-hmm. we've, we're, you know, we're, I think we're so so on the story, but we don't seem to like the movie very much. Mm-hmm. And so, to me, that that brings up the idea of what would you have done to improve it? I don't know. I, I've got nothing. Not this. <laughs> yeah, not this. <laughs> yeah, don't do what they did. Um, it's basically Logan with a different power set. <laughs> yeah. The tone was been. completely different, right? I, I, first of all, I would have... I'd have thrown out the Julianne Moore... Uh, no, I'm sorry. I would have thrown out the Jessica Biel character and had Julianne Moore be mm. the love interest because they're like the same age anyway. Oh. And, you know, there's an antagonism thing going there that could I think Yeah, but worked. if you get rid of Jessica Biel that... And completely invalidates the premise of the story. It does. At least so Jeff, Jessica Biel there kind of makes it, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, a percentage possible. Right. So I think you would have had to change the very basis of it, where he can see eight hours or something. In that because case, that makes that would have been a fantastic change. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, if if it had been the Julianne Moore character, which isn't something that I had thought about to be mm-hmm. honest. So let me throw this at you. In the story, he is able to, excuse me, in the short story, he's able to uh, seduce women. Right. Mm-hmm. And so if she had fallen in oh, love yeah. with him, you know, so the government catches him, they begin to study him. Mm-hmm. She realizes that what they're doing is wrong, no matter what the reason for it. Right. So then we're back to Firestarter. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, the yeah. other thing is, I think the stakes were too high. The nuclear bomb. Yeah. Yeah. Is, that was ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, so maybe yeah. he's being chased by the mob because they want his predictive powers and they want to right. earn money off him. Uh, maybe the government wants to exploit him. Those are both right. great plot points. That, yeah. and, and maybe they maybe they were out there <laughs> and got yeah. overwritten or not. Yeah, um, I kind of liked it. Yeah, well, you saying the government exploitation thing uh, kind of reminded me of Jumper. And totally. Yeah. And then and then I, then I was reminded of the. Uh, Kind of silly antagonist they introduced into the movies. The paladins. <laughs> yes. I'm like, they would have done something stupid like that. Mm. I <laughs> As if the government wasn't antagonistic enough. Next should be part of the Jumper Cinematic Universe. <laughs> they should be part of a shared universe. Are, are, are they? No. Ooh, Jump, no. Jumper is more recent cool. than... Quite a bit more recent. Yeah. 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 Although, um, you guys may not have known this, but the Golden Man is actually in the public domain. The rights were bought by a magazine. Oh. The magazine did not renew their copyright in the proper amount of time. So it's it's actually public domain. Oh, nice. Well, it's hard to find, though. That's the weird thing. I did do some searching for it, and the closest thing I got to free online was uh, a 99-cent copy I could download from the Nook store. Hmm. Why didn't the Gutenberg Project have it? Well, the Gutenberg Project has a really uh, thorough process for vetting a copyright. Okay. In order to, to mm-hmm. make the copyright valid... You have to have a copy of the original source material in the year it was published, mm. and they use that as provenance to go forward and say, well, yes, this this copyrighted issue of this story is out of copyright. Okay. So if somebody has a copy oh, okay. of the, the magazine If? Yeah, it was If. 
Uh, from so April 1954, you could donate a story to Project Gutenberg and enli- <laughs> uh, enrich in the public domain. Or just sort of, scan it and distribute it online. <laughs> well, let's do it the right way. James. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I don't hate this movie. I, I, I remember enjoying it, and so I was kind of excited about it. I'm like, I, I remember that movie was fun, and I kind of liked no. the, the balginess of... No. Oh, I made a mistake. You know, you're, and, you're wrong. And, and blows them up. <laughs> yes. And then, and then that completely overwrites the ballsiness by having. He's got a restore point. <laughs> I think I remember the first time being very much similar to what when I watched it last night was that. Yep, that was dumb because of the premise <laughs> two minutes thing prevent a nuclear bomb. That's that's stupid. Yeah, because nobody else knows about seeing Jessica Biel's future except him. So the fact that Julianne Moore is chasing him to. Try and prevent a nuclear strike in two minutes. That's yeah. preposterous. Well, I mean, the other, the other problem is that part of the plot doesn't really take off until a full hour into the movie. And then it's like yeah. 36 minutes and we're out. Now, there's Wait, what do some you virtue. She was, she was looking for him for that reason since the beginning. Yeah, yeah. But she doesn't really talk about it to him until a full hour into oh. the movie. Well, there's she has the, him in custody. The, the future where he escaped them, right? That conversation existed then. That's true. And he still decided to bug out. Yeah. I, I will say that, <laughs> I, I was saying that there's some virtue in keeping your movie brief. Right. Because um, yeah. an hour and 36 minutes is not too much to invest in a, in even a, a not very good movie. So Yeah. So I, I did think of a way to, to try and, and salvage the movie. And since the rights are open, uh, anyone can take this idea and run with it. So first of all, I think, uh, I think the prescience should be made a little bit longer. Five, maybe ten minutes. Not not hugely long, though. Okay. And I think the protagonist should be 11 years old, and I think he should be befriended by... And he's homeless, mm-hmm. and he's befriended by someone in school, and then the government gets wind of mm-hmm. him and his powers, and so they're trying to get away from the bad guy government. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, so... It kind of sounds like E.T. then, or it kind of sounds like Escape from Witch Mountain. Yeah. Yeah. Or Escape things. to Witch Mountain. Yeah. And I think the, along the same lines, having the protagonist very distracted because he's pop, constantly processing the future. Yeah. And then having that, lack of a better term, sidekick to keep him in reality and move him forward, mm-hmm. I think would be... A, that could work. I think would work. So w- one thing that often happens in films is they hint at more interesting films that we are not watching. Yes. And, and that <laughs> beginning when he's talking about, you know, they, they studied me when I was younger... All, all that part, and even the whole premise of oh, right. here's this guy with this skill, and he is hiding, scraping by. Not really scraping by. I mean, he made nine grand in that one night in the casino, right? Oh yeah, mm-hmm. he wasn't poor by any stretch of the imagination. But right. yeah, the, like that. But that's the extremity he's been reduced to, right? To to being this no credibility, no prestige, Frank Cadillac, um, working a lounge full of octogenarians. I, I like that lounge. Like might that. have had like. Five people in it. <laughs> yeah. Yes. The yeah. two Koreans, the two government agents, and I, there might have been a couple of people in the very far back in the shadows doing God knows what. Yep. <laughs> it's Vegas yep. after all. But you're right. I think there were, there were other stories that could have been told from there, like mm-hmm. you know how he got caught. Or maybe right. maybe that's what you do. You do how he gets caught, how he escapes, then you flash forward and bring up some other subplot. Mm-hmm. Almost like Jumper. Yeah. Right. Yeah, but having the additional idea that well that with this one person he can see further in the future i think that's kind of where things go off the rails so. yeah right although you're right about the action movie sequence right all mm-hmm. of a sudden he's doing round kicks and throwing batons and yeah yeah <laughs> yeah 
Yeah, all of a sudden he's expert at what he's doing. Now, it could be just that he's he's a sad sack at the beginning of the movie and he's not allowing himself to, you know, utilize his powers fully in some way. Because if you could see two minutes into the future and, mm. and more or less repeat your actions over and over, then you could throw the baton and hit the first time because it wasn't really the first time. But every right. time you did it, you could go, nailed it first time! Like, like, <laughs> like Batman in the Lego movie. Ace! Ace! <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, you'd be a really good disc golfer. So it didn't make a lot of money. It only made like 75 or $78 million. It had a pretty modest budget, though. I mean, it was 45 I think. So it was money positive. Yeah, but when you factor in marketing and uh, the cut right. that the theaters take, it... How about... Uh, I mean, maybe breaks even. What Rotten Tomato? 28% Rotten. Outstanding. We've done worse. <laughs> yeah. True. I think Rollerball is like 10. Yeah. Or 8. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Catwoman was like six or something. Yeah, <laughs> Sound of Thunder was was way down there too. So yeah, here here's one one critic's uh, opinion of it. What starts out as a mildly diverting thr- mildly diverting thriller blows itself to smithereens in the final reel. Describes the climax as a stunning cheat. Nice. <laughs> I saw another one that said um, when he he's talking to the bad guy at the end and he says. I've seen all the possible futures here and none of them end well for you. <laughs> and they said, and he, he was talking to the audience. <laughs> uh, this was not the best Philip K. Dick movie we've done. We could argue about that. What, what is the best one we've done? What have we, we've done Minority Report, Total Recall. Paycheck. Paycheck. Uh, I say Total Recall. That movie was awesome. Original, original one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not uh, the Schwarzenegger movie. Yeah, not the remake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the remake was terrible. But Schwarzenegger movie, like, I, I can watch that over and over again. You do. I do. That's true. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> yeah, I did Minority Report. Minority Report was pretty good. I mean, that was a good movie. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I'd, I'd go Minority Report. But. Yeah. But if I had to choose one to watch, I'd probably watch Total Recall. Right. Yes. Although I don't own Total Recall and I do own Minority Report. So, yeah. You're bad. So, <laughs> the question is here. It's, it's, it's June now. You know, I'll post this at the end of June. And in July, we're going to do another one of these. Are we going to get a good one? Are we ever going to get a good one? I have not seen I Screamers, so I have... we should do the... Um, dang it. I can't remember the name right now. Imposter? Nope. Keep going. With screamers? The with the hats. With the hats? Yeah, they use the hats to teleport, create doors, and go through them. Adjustment Bureau? That one. There you go. Adjustment Bureau. That might yes. be a good idea. I, I have heard that that's an enjoyable movie. I, I was really leaning towards doing Screamers, just because it looks so awesome. And, and I'm yeah. sure it's horrible. 90s effects... But it has RoboCop in it. I thought there's some Justin Rose lo- actually a decent movie. So okay, I haven't seen it, and I haven't read. Yeah. The, I have read the story because well, it's in. It's not like the summer's over in July. We can do August too if we want, and I'll yeah. invoke rule number one. It's our podcast, our rules. That is true. So if technically, summer's not over till September 21st. So if we go September's before the 21st, it's still summer of day. Okay. Yeah. We can just do the rest of the year. Well, I've already, <laughs> I've already kind of suggested that we do that, right? That we we do Blade Runner at some point. Oh yeah. Sure. Well, getting ready for Blade the Runner would be cool. Right. Yeah. Although yeah. in. In October, aren't we committed to doing something Bradburyan? Are we? What's in? Oh, something wicked this way comes. I think yes. we have told oh, Phil Nichols that we'll yes, do that because our our newly our new favorite professor. Yes, Doctor Phil. Doctor Phil. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's let's commit. Next month, we are going to do the Adjustment Bureau, which is based on the Adjustment Team. I think is the name of the short story. Okay. Which is in Selected Stories of Phil K. Dick, which you and I both own. Yeah. Sweet. Okay, so that's what we're doing. Um, rank them. I, 
I gotta, I gotta come up with this on the fly. I don't know which one I enjoyed better. I didn't. I'm enjoy gonna rank the all. credit roll first. The, the credit cre- roll, yeah, that was good. Then the short story, mm-hmm. then the movie. I, I did like that. So that, that, that's a delightful surprise. You don't have to stay for a post credit scene. I actually joked to my son, like, I think it'll be a post credit scene, and then they went whoop, all the way back and then started rolling backwards. Right. Yeah, so, so that was cool. What do you think, Colin? Rank them. The you're, story you're go. is better, even though I don't like the content of it. But the the movie is more enjoyable, even though it's stupid and broken in too many areas. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. <laughs> stupid and broken. <laughs> Can't rank them? I'm going to... A st- st- no story, word. but only mm-hmm. slightly better. Okay. What about you, James? He told you. I just did tell you. End credit short story movie. <laughs> oh, gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't kidding. <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Ask me what the best part of the movie is. <laughs> What's the best part of the movie, Colin? Oh, I can't do it. It's Elaine's line <laughs> from, uh, from Seinfeld. I did mention the end credits. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, yada, yada, the best part. No, I mentioned the end credits. I mentioned, no, I mentioned the end credits. <laughs> and that, that's, our, that's our title. I did mention the end credits. <laughs> the, the lobster bisque. <laughs> yeah. There was um, a casino scene, yada, 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 the end credits. credits. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Yeah. There you go. Hey, Seth. You're you know, in the hot seat. I would say if this was a short film and, and it was, you know, like 30 minutes long and just contained so the casino scene. So if it was a short scene, film just, con- just containing the casino scene. And the end credits. It would, and the end credits. <laughs> it'd be fantastic. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, in good conscience, I can't rank the movie first. Um, even though, uh, no. You know what? I, I remember enjoying it. This is the problem. That it's, it's in my brain. It's like Inception in my brain. You like this movie. And then I watched it and I went, no, no, I don't. So I have this cognitive dissonance Not going on. Not at all. Um, but yeah, no, story, movie. Although I didn't enjoy the story all that much. So <laughs> it's, a, it's a great story with difficult content to accept. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of a, a change of pace short story. And that's fine. Um, okay, so before we sign off, I do want to... I keep forgetting... To pimp my own stuff. Oh, yes. Um, so a-, a while back, Colin and I recorded the first episode of the Hugo's There podcast. And uh, that's a podcast where I have one guest on. We talk about one book off the list of Hugo winners. I asked Colin to cover the very first one with me. And then after that, all my guests have chosen or we've discussed and, and come up with something off the list. But not necessarily going through in date order. Uh-huh. And so I've done the one with The Demolished Man with Colin. I did Dune with Michael Gabriel. And then... Uh, Hyperion with Jeff Palermo from Sci-Fi on Screen, and then the latest episode is Neuromancer with Lisa Schmeiser of The Incomparable. So We like Lisa. Yes. And uh, so I want to tell everybody to go up to hugospodcast.com and check that out, and I'll make sure to put a link in the show notes. Um, I figure anybody who enjoys this podcast would probably enjoy that. Um, it's just about the book, not about the movie, although... I think we talked about, we may have mentioned in glancing, like the, the Dune movie uh, when I was talking <laughs> to Michael. So, Yeah. So what are you going to do with our buddy James here? James hasn't chosen anything. Yes. Um, okay, James, huh, I'm, I'm okay. giving you homework for the next podcast. All right. Go through the Hugo's list and pick out something you think you'd like to read. Is there a list online somewhere? Yeah, it's yeah. on the site. Presumably. Yeah. I have, I have the Hugo's winner's list there, and, and anything in italics right. is something somebody's already chosen. I'm pretty much already booked up through the end of the year, because so, I'm only doing one a month. Wow. Um, so next episode is going to be Speaker for the Dead, uh, which is Does one Does Old Man's War happen to be on there? It's not a Hugo winner. Oh, oh damn it. Right. Forever War is. The Forever War. Oh, okay. If you like military science fiction, you might enjoy that one. Didn't Red Ooh, Shirts okay. get, a, get a Hugo? It did. Matt Anderson from Sci-Fi Christian wants to do that one. 
Darn. I was looking out for you, buddy. Yeah, it's no. a Scalzi. It's yeah, good stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm enjoying Scalzi so far. Let's sit down. I'll go I through like, I like the Ghost Brigazer. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. I think we're done here. We have we have ranked. We have... Yes. We're now, we're now just ranting. Yeah, we are just ranting. <laughs> okay. So uh, we'll sign off. We're going to do the Adjustment Bureau for right. the next movie. Copy uh, that. A Scanner Bureau Darkly. I'm just kidding. No. Um, all right. So uh, anyhow, until next time, we're going to sign off uh, Pavement Pounder's Blessing. Modified, of course, because we always modify Naturally. it. Naturally. Um, and you would have known that you know, two minutes out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Unless I ramble on for two minutes before. No, I won't. So until next time, may the road Too rise late. up to meet you. And uh, may the end credits not be the best part of your movie. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> okay. Bye, everybody. Bye. There we go. Oh, ah. see, there I am. Bumping the table. You put me in the corner. Nobody puts Sethi in a corner. Um, I don't know why that had to be done in an accent. <laughs> uh, because of Plumbo. Good question. Right. Don't force it. Something will happen. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> uh, this kind of thing never happens when we're not in the same room. Just lobbing it up for you, buddy. Yep. Just, need Just need more practice. That's all. Just need more practice. That's all. That's what she said. <laughs> Indeed. All right, uh, that's, I think that's the best description of this screenplay I've ever heard of. <laughs> they, it, too much of it was forced, right? Yeah. <laughs>